And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a live edition of the Buffalo Beat Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Fairburn. Giving you a live room edition of this podcast after the on a victory Monday for the Buffalo Bills after they beat the Raiders 38-10 to in what was about as convincing of a bounce-back performance as you can ask for. So... From the top down, Josh Allen and the offense were almost flawless after their first drive. The defense was outstanding. It was the type of game that I think everybody was hoping for after what was not a great showing in the debut against the New York Jets. So we're going to hang out here, take any questions that you have. I'm going to send a link out here quickly on Twitter, so bear with me just a second, and we'll start taking some questions. I got a few early questions on Twitter. You can drop them in the chat, and we'll hang out and see what's on your mind. Uh, It was certainly a much better uh, performance for the Bills, and one that I think gives them a lot to build on as they go forward for the rest of the season. There was a a lot of encouraging signs. So let's jump right into it here. We've got a question from Rudy M that goes in line with a question that I saw on Twitter as well. And it's, is having less Josh Allen better for the team? And I think this is probably a good point to to jump off this discussion with uh, about this game because Josh Allen was almost a completely different version of himself, uh, you know, in this game and a much better version of himself, certainly than the one who had three interceptions uh, and a fumble lost against the Jets. The biggest thing I saw from him, 19 passing first downs, taking a lot more of what the defense was giving him and doing much less forcing the football. He was playing within the structure of the offense. If you Got a chance to read on Saturday. I posted a story. I talked to, to Brad Childress, Kevin Gilbride, and Dirk Cutter about managing aggressive quarterbacks, managing quarterbacks who think they can win it all with one play. You know, Childress had Favre and, and Donovan McNabb. Gilbride had Eli Manning, Mark Brunel. Uh, so some of the different elements that Josh Allen has with the rushing or, or the aggression in the passing game. And both those guys watched the game, luckily, uh, of Josh Allen. So it was it was interesting to hear the way Kevin Gilbride brought up Aaron Rodgers a few years ago and the fact that when Aaron Rodgers had a, a pretty bad year a few years back, 
he was so good at the secondary part of routes, so good when the play was breaking down that he was almost skipping steps trying to get to that part. And the success rate for an offense is just not going to to flow the same way. That's not going to be a repeatable formula. And that's what Josh Allen looked like against the Jets, right? He was trying to rush through his reads or skipping reads, looking downfield for the big play, looking for the running lane. And against a really good defense like the Jets, that's going to be a real challenge. And this was such a calm game from Josh Allen. Super encouraging. The Raiders' defense is not the Jets' defense. It's not one of the best in the league. But frankly, it's an NFL defense, right? It is a, for Josh Allen to look that way is a heck of a lot better than to show more signs of, you know, what he did against the Jets. It was almost a complete reversal and still made a few spectacular plays, right? Like the touchdown to both the touchdown to Gabriel Davis and the touchdown to Khalil Shakir, both outstanding throws and some of you know, what makes him spectacular. So it's not like he lost that and was just dinking and dunking, but there was some dink and dunk and there needs to be in this offense. You know, when he was at his best, he can work the short game. I think it's probably one of the most overlooked aspects of what got Josh Allen into that elite tier of quarterback is his ability to work the short game. You know, he, he is at his best when he is frustrating defenses with those short passes. And I saw a lot more of that against the Raiders. So to the question, is less Josh Allen better? In some ways, it is. In some ways, when he doesn't feel like he has to do everything, the offense is in a lot better shape, in my opinion. I got a question about the the run-pass split. And it's it's different because the Bills had the ball for two thirds of this game against the Raiders. So naturally, and they were winning big. So naturally there was a a much closer run pass split. And that's going to be the case when you're looking at raw numbers on how often a team runs versus throws game script is going to be dependent there, but they ran the ball much more effectively this game with their running backs, less Josh Allen in the sense that three attempts for seven yards, he did try to hurdle a guy again. So He hasn't completely knocked out that part of his game, but he did not run the ball nearly as often, and they were still able to run the ball super effectively. A lot of, again, a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field, actually 15 snaps from Quentin Morris. So at times, three tight ends on the field running downhill between the tackles. A lot of Latavius Murray in this game. That's a different element to this offense. I don't know if they've had that under Sean McDermott at kind of that downhill running game. They've had the shotgun running game and they've had some, some shiftier backs, but to have the, the North South running of Latavius Murray, it's an interesting wrinkle. They're still, I think finding their, their footing with the 12 personnel and different personnel packages, Dalton Kincaid just two games into his career. So he's still, you know, he's going to get better as things go, but the fact that they're willing to throw him out there, they're using that that grouping, and if he continues to, if they can run effectively out of that, that's where you get matchup problems. You have to be able to run the ball out of 12 personnel because then, if not, Dalton Kincaid might as well be a wide receiver. You know, the Jets came out and played nickel against the Bills' 12 personnel all day long, and the Bills couldn't beat them on the ground. Not every team has the Jets' defensive line, but 
you do need to be able to have the running element in order for those matchup problems to present themselves. This game, to put this on tape, I think will go a long way. Drew asks if this cements Josh Allen as the greatest QB ever. Yes or yes. It feels that way, doesn't it? Like it, it felt uh, after last week that that he really needed this. He might be the uh, the best quarterback of the week. It wasn't a very very good week uh, of quarterback play in the AFC. So maybe he he gets that honor. We'll see. Uh, look, he's got to do. You want to see this version of Josh Allen against the best defenses and in the biggest games, but. For him to bounce back like that, I did think was significant after the way we all, you guys all saw him on, on Monday night in that press conference. We saw him in the locker room. He, he was down, but to flush that, to reset, to set the tone for the team the way that he did, it's not a surprise, right? I, I, I mean, he's one of the two or three best quarterbacks in football. And I think he, he got back to that, frankly. He, any doubt that people were having about that after Monday night, I, I think he he erased a lot of that. Who was your offensive and defensive MVP of the game, Mike asks? That's a good question. I'm going Josh Allen on the offensive MVP. And because of what I talked about, playing in control. Look, he may not have had the crazy numbers we've seen him put up in the past, but this was an extremely efficient game to complete over 80% of your passes for 275 yards and three touchdowns. That's big time. And if I had to go with a secondary player and we'll, we'll probably get more into this uh, considering a few of the questions I got Gabriel Davis. It is so important for this offense to have Gabriel Davis working the way that he did six catches, 92 yards and a touchdown, some big first down grabs, it is a different offense when they have a secondary target working, when Josh Allen is willing and able to look away from Stephon Diggs and still keep the chains moving. So that would be my, my second, my non-Josh Allen MVP on offense. On defense, I'm going to go with Ed Oliver. And I wrote about the defensive line uh, in, in my column at The Athletic and just the way the defense played in general. The defensive line, the defense as a whole, did not get a sack in this game, but it felt like a dominant, dominant game up front. Josh Jacobs was last year's rushing champion. He had negative two yards on nine carries in this game. He was 2016 Reggie Bush after being the rushing champion last year. And Ed Oliver has a ton to do with how that happened. I mean, he is. He signed that big contract last season, or, you know, this offseason, and a lot of people were wondering, would he, you know, did he deserve that deal? Would he be the type of defensive lineman that could, you know, take over games and take that next step through two games, being healthy and fresh? It's making a huge difference. The whole defensive line is deep and talented. It's one of the deepest groups they've had under Sean McDermott, but also at the top, they're effective. Greg Rousseau looks really good. Leonard Floyd looks good. Taquan Jones made a great play on that first interception to pressure Jimmy Garoppolo, who then had the ball swatted by Greg Rousseau. And then you saw 
Terrell Bernard coming to make the interception. That's just a complete textbook play from the defense, especially against a quarterback who gets the ball out super quickly the way Jimmy Garoppolo does. That's how you need to impact him, right? You're, you're probably not going to get a ton of sacks against a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, but you can get batted passes. A.J. Epinesa had one, and that's the way you're going to impact the game as a defensive line against a quarterback like that. So I, I go with that Oliver because I feel like he was – consistently in the backfield the most, but all around a, a really encouraging game from the defense. Emmanuel comments, Damian Harris, special teams ace, his first career uh, kickoff return, and it was pretty effective. This is a guy that spent a lot of time in New England where they put a lot of focus on special teams. You saw a few, you know, he's He's on multiple special teams units, not just returning the ball, but in coverage. He, that's a, a good spot by you, Emmanuel. He was definitely really good in this game. Does Bernard's play yesterday give, give the Bills the luxury of more time to bring Kirksey along? I, I think it does. I think Terrell Bernard has not been an issue for two weeks. And, you know, if anything, I think he's been a plus player for them, especially uh, in, in this game. So I think. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things that's definitely an encouraging sign. And I think when you look at, look, the defense is going to have an adjustment period when you have a new voice with the green dot helmet. But that hasn't really been the problem for them. You know, they, they defensively, they had one bad drive against the Raiders. They had one bad drive against the Jets and they had one other really bad play against the Jets where Brees Hall hit an 83-yard run. But I don't think Bernard's a problem, and I'm not sure that that I would be in a rush to get him out of there. Uh, you have a young, developing player. You know, it's nice to have depth and an option in Kirksey, but I, I'd like to see, you know, what Bernard can be as long as he he keeps coming along. This is an interesting question from Matt. Do we know what happened when Sean called the timeout and then decided to go for it? Is it just Sean learning how to get out of his comfort zone? I would love to know more about how they leverage in-game analytics. This is interesting, and you'll never get the exact straight answer sometimes. And But Sean McDermott was more aggressive against the Raiders than he was against the Jets. We, we brought up you know, the, the early fourth down against the Jets where they took the three points. This week, they were three for four on fourth down, went for it four times. And that play was an interesting one because given a little bit more time to think about it, you know, they decided to keep the offense on the field. What I think is worth monitoring throughout the season, you know, I think it's easy to be aggressive and sort of have that, that, you know, take it to the opponent approach against a team like the Raiders when there's a, a high degree of confidence that you're dominating on both sides of the ball. It's those more tense games like the Jets where there's a little uncertainty. I think you'll see in some ways Sean McDermott lean on the math and the analytics a little bit more because now that he's calling defensive plays, it is a little bit more difficult to lock into the flow of the game the same way as when you delegate play calling. So you almost have to lean on the analytics a little bit more, I feel like, which maybe will, will help in the long run. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I, 
I don't, just like week one isn't the end all be all, week two isn't either, right? And in a game where you're extremely confident that you're going to win, it's a little bit easier to go, go for two or, you know, go for, you know, fourth down conversions and go for touchdowns instead of field goals. But it's also part of why they got back on track, I think. I, I don't think it's worth overlooking either because Sean McDermott, had a degree of confidence about him this week throughout the week where he gave the guys a walkthrough on Wednesday when it would have been easy to do the opposite and and really be on him and try to lock him back in. He was not worried about Monday night the same way a lot of people were. And so I think because of that, because of that attitude and that that calmness, the Bills came into this game with that same confidence. And then during the game, to go for it, and you know, go for it in situations where it would be easy to take three points. That was confident coaching, uh, and I think it radiated throughout the team. And that's why, that's why there was no doubt in this game after a while. Even after that first drive, they go down seven nothing. They go three and out, but then they get the turnover, and everything changed from that point on. It was you know they outscored them thirty eight to three. So you know it's a that's a, a solid coaching performance from. From Tuesday through Sunday, that's where it starts after a game like Monday night where it's easy to hit the panic button. You really have to set the tone throughout the week. And so so credit to Sean McDermott uh, for doing that. Mark asks if, if Kair Elam has any chance of coming back into the rotation other than an injury to another defensive back. Right now, it's going to take an injury because you're you're seeing Christian Benford play really well on the outside. Uh, Dane Jackson, when he got a chance to come in, made a play. That's two guys ahead of you that are not necessarily going anywhere without an injury. Now, there's another comment in here from Emmanuel about how the Dolphins game is going to answer all the questions about the secondary. And I agree. We'll get a better feel for, for what this defense is. You know, Christian Benford playing well against Zach Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo is different than playing well against... Tua and Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill and a, a Dolphins offense that looks really hard to slow down. So as of now, there's nothing in the performance of Christian Benford or Dane Jackson that would make me eager to give Kyrie Elam a chance. But we know that injuries happen and we know that over the course of the season, opportunities will present themselves one way or another. And he's got to be ready for it because they have shown now at this point how they feel about him and how they feel about the way that he's playing, how they feel about the guys ahead of him on the depth chart. He's not contributing on special teams. So the path to the game day roster for him, frankly, at the moment is injury. Now, performance could could come into play if if things, you know, go sideways on the Bills at all. And, you know, we'll see what the secondary looks like against against the Dolphins in a couple of weeks and the Jaguars after that. They have some really tough quarterbacks on the schedule. But I've been encouraged by Benford so far um, in the limited tests that we've seen. And it seems like the Bills are also pretty confident in in who he is as a player because we've seen in the past Sean McDermott will do a lot of rotating, right? You know, rotate guys in and out and sort of platoon guys at that number two corner spot. Christian Benford, again, yesterday, 100% of snaps. So I think they're telling you how they feel about him. And certainly saying something about how they feel about Elam uh, with the way he's been inactive for two straight weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Scott says, do you feel the media in general was too hard on Allen after a week, week one? Many were saying he could never be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I didn't consume all of the all of the take industrial complexes content on Josh Allen. I know there was a lot of it. He is, he's an interesting quarterback because of the way he came into the league. He was already super polarizing for whatever reason, because Mel Kuyper was so incredibly high on him and so many others were incredibly low on him. There was the analytics piece where, you know, his college stats suggested there was not a high degree of likelihood that he would be a successful NFL quarterback. There was all this pre-draft debate about this guy before he even stepped on a football field. So you have some of that at play where people are are trying to see what they want to see with him. But look, you play a game like that, people are going to be ready to jump on you. People are going to be ready to... We've seen already this offseason, the Bills have been a, a popular punching bag for the national media. The window is closing, this and that. Ultimately, none of it's all that important, right? And I think there's an element of, you know, this happens to a lot of quarterbacks. This happens, you know, Justin Herbert's gotten his fair share. Um, You know, it comes around for everybody at some point. For a while, the Bills were the darling. They missed their, they didn't win their championship while they were the, the, the preseason darling, while they were everybody's hot Super Bowl pick. And so now the pendulum is swinging the other way. Will this week two game silence everybody? Probably not. But I don't think that's what's important. What I think is important is that he didn't let it snowball. Because on the field is what really matters. In the locker room is what matters. And those guys in there remain extremely confident in who he is as a quarterback and as a leader. So were people too hard on him? Probably. But he did play really bad. So he's he's going to have that. and. In this day and age with the internet and, you know, social media, everybody having an opinion and everybody looking for, for engagement, you're going to have, 
some of those. And I think Josh Allen knows that Josh Allen's not sitting there scrolling social media. He's not, he's not watching first take. He's not, you know, seeing what Stephen A's got to say. If he was, I'd be concerned. And, and so did he earn that criticism? Yes. Um, but does it mean that he'll never win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. I think this guy's going to be knocking on the door for a long time. And he still does. Frankly, what, what it comes down to is he's going to have to prove it in the big moments. The Bills have reached that point as a franchise where you're waiting to see how the regular season sets them up for the playoffs. Nobody is questioning, or maybe some people are, but nobody in the building and I don't think anybody really should be questioning that Josh Allen is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in football, one of the five best if you if you want to get really harsh. But people want to see, you know, will it happen when it counts? And he's had some amazing playoff games. So we know that's in him. It's just a matter of until you prove it, that's going to be the knock. And until you have that Lombardi, that's going to be the knock. And, you know, Peyton Manning dealt with it for a time. I think Aaron Rodgers has dealt with a lot of it because he only has one Super Bowl. So it does come for everybody when when you don't have the championship trophies to point to. Jeff mentions he was expecting to see a little more of Trent Sherfield given his impressive preseason. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, Trent Sherfield has not been a factor through two weeks. Does not have a catch yet, if I'm not mistaken. And nine guys had a catch against the Oakland Raiders his snap percentage is pretty low this kind of gets into you know Deontay Hardy is the same way where his snap percentage is not high he's got a a few short passes in each game and against the Raiders Sherfield played 32 snaps so 41 percent he was out there for a decent amount of the game but did not have a catch against the Jets and did not have a catch against the Raiders. Nine guys had a catch against the Raiders. Sherfield wasn't one of them. Hardy had two catches for four yards. What I think is factoring into this is there's only one football to go around. And so when you're playing 12 personnel and you have Dalton Kincaid had five catches for 43 yards in this game, he had four catches uh, week one. Khalil Shakir is in the mix. He caught a touchdown. Uh, you know, so I think there was a lot of concern over do the Bills have a number two receiver? I'm not worried about the Bills' secondary options in the passing game. Gabriel Davis, six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. This is a better team when Gabriel Davis is making plays, when it doesn't all have to run through Stephon Diggs. They've also made an effort to play more 12 personnel to get two tight ends on the field. And Dalton Kincaid has been very involved through two weeks in the passing game. So when you combine those two things, you're going to have less to go around. You're not going to have as much, you know, Sherfield and as much Hardy. And that's not a problem at the moment. I think you would like in an ideal world for the Bills to be like they were a couple of years ago when if it wasn't Stephon Diggs, it could be John Brown or it could be Gabriel Davis or it could be Cole Beasley or it could be Dawson Knox. But they do still have Davis. They they now have Kincaid. Knox caught a touchdown. And Hardy and Sherfield so far have been a little bit lost in the shuffle. But 
having that many options is a bit of a luxury and there's going to be games, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be times where those guys are needed. So it's just a matter of, you know, does Josh Allen have that, that faith in those guys or can he develop it within a game quickly enough? Because right now, Sherfield is not, the ball's not coming his way through two weeks. That could change, but it's just a, a function of how the offense is put together. Sully asks, Sully M, so before you know, people think it's a different Sully, is it just me or does it seem the Hyde-Poyer safety combo is no longer elite? They look slow and are missing more tackles than I can ever recall. You know, as an earlier question alluded to, I think future games are going to tell the story on this for sure. Are they, they're not as good as they once were. They're past their peak. I think that's fair. Does that mean they're not still an effective safety tandem to be determined? I think you'd rather have those two guys back there than any of the replacements that are on the roster at the moment. I think when they face a really fast Dolphins defense in a couple weeks, that's when we'll see how much the speed is a factor, how much, you know, the missed tackles are a factor. There's been signs of it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're, you're, you know, looking at the wrong thing here. Like I, there's been some signs, but those are two excellent guys with great track records, you know, really good players. What I wonder about, you know, both of these guys, Hyde's popped up on the injury report a little bit. He had a, a bit of a hamstring yesterday. He said he's fine, but that's the other part I wonder about with those two. Are they going to be able to hold up over the course of a season through the bumps and bruises that are going to accumulate more, frankly, when you get older, as we all know, uh, it is, it's not easy to get old. And I imagine it is much more difficult to do so within the context of professional football when your body takes a beating the way that it does. And that's probably one of the bigger questions when you talk about if you're going to play two deep safeties, if you're going to try to take, they've been so good over the years at taking away the deep shots that if they lose a step, you know, that's going to be a tough, tough situation against the best quarterbacks in the league against Zach Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo, not a problem. So we'll, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what they do. I, I will say against Miami in the past, they've done fairly well, but you know, the running game of Miami has occasionally caused issues. The playoff game last year was a weird game, probably gave up a little bit more than they wanted to. So look, I got the beauty of being a, a reporter is that you can look ahead, right? You know, the bills are focused on Washington in week three. I, I'm, I kind of got my eye on that Miami game. Like I'm sure a lot of you do. I've, I've circled that one as one that it's going to tell a big story. Cause right now Miami looks like one of the best teams, uh, in the AFC and, you know, I think that's going to be a nice little early season litmus test. There's going to be a lot of those coming up, big-time quarterbacks that, that'll test this defense. See a couple comments on the audio, everybody, but everybody seems to be doing okay here. That's good. Um, will the Bills start to lean more on those bigger backs? So one of the comments Sean McDermott made after the game was about how Look, this guy loves when the offense is two-dimensional, right? We've heard him reference that a lot, balance and, and two-dimensional. You could tell he was pretty satisfied with the fact that his running backs, you know, James Cook, 17 carries, 123 yards. Damian Harris, 
seven carries, 33 yards. Latavius Murray, six for 22. I do think you're going to see some of those bigger backs. It takes something off of Josh Allen's plate in short yardage. And they the reason James Cook got over 100 yards is because the Bills wore the Raiders' defense down by the end of the game. And I think when you can play that way, the biggest part of balance is not necessarily throughout the course of the regular season, having a nice 50-50 split and, and all that. I think we all know that a lot of times passing more is more and a more efficient way to move the ball. What I think is important for the Bills is to have a different pitch in their arsenal, a different thing they can game plan with to say, you know what, this team is really good at taking away X, Y, and Z that Josh Allen does. Let's soften them up this way with a with a running game. And, you know, there's a question in here about whether Dalton Kincaid is going to pass Dawson Knox as the number one tight end. Right now, he's already being targeted more. And I don't think it's a matter of one guy being the starter, one guy being the backup, because they're on the field so much together. Dawson Knox is, is the guy that blocks more effectively at the moment. So getting those two working in tandem, being able to run out of that formation, and all of a sudden, you have a lot more options when it comes to game planning and it, when it comes to how certain defenses are going to play you. They have to think a little bit differently. So will we see more of the heavier backs? I think so. I think they're a nice change of pace and they are the type of guys that can run effectively out of that formation, run the way that, that Aaron Cromer wants it blocked. And I think that's a, a useful thing to have come playoff time, not because you can't throw the ball in the playoffs, but because when people take away your fastball, you want to have another pitch that you can go to. That's not, and it's the same conversation about Gabriel Davis, about getting these other receivers involved. When they take away Stephon Diggs or when they take away the deep shots, when when Josh Allen's having a tough game, being able to turn to that running game makes things a lot less frustrating, makes it feel like he doesn't have to, to do everything himself and probably limits the mistakes. Like they couldn't run against the Jets. And so, you know, Josh Allen starts pressing and everybody saw the results. So I, I think that is, you know, a pretty big factor. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. James asks if this will be flipped into a podcast. It will. It will be on your podcast feeds later today. Let me know how you feel about about the format. I thought this would be a fun way while I'm doing it solo to get some questions, get a little bit of back and forth. Um, and, you know, we can do these right after the game. We can do them, you know, Monday uh, during the day. We can do them Monday morning. Um, open to any and all feedback while I, I get you guys through the time without without Joe B steering the ship. Um, but I feel like these are a nice, nice way to go back and forth and have a little bit of engagement. And so, yes, they will be a podcast that they, they'll go right in the feed at some point later today. And I don't know, we might try these out on the hockey side, uh, later this season. Maybe we can do them a couple times a week. If you guys are, 
are really into it. Somebody asked, where's Joe? If you missed it, Joe is uh, on parental leave. He and his wife had a baby. Uh, everything is going well. Um, all is good. And we're, I'm happy to, I'm stepping in here for a few weeks while, while Joe takes some time to be with his family. Um, he will be back though, uh, before too long. So let's see what else we got for questions while we wrap this up. When will the bills begin selling Spencer Brown jerseys? Funny you say that I saw a Spencer Brown Jersey in the stands yesterday, um, right in front of me in the press box. I think they, they must sell those unless that is a customized Look, I know Spencer Brown, you know, it's an interesting topic and something I'm probably going to write about this week. He had a pretty good game yesterday. Um, and that guy's faced a lot of heat and he he's not really faced. Uh, and I appreciate that about him. He's he's one of the most willing guys to talk in there um, after a good game, after a bad game. And he was another one that was able to wipe the slate clean. It wasn't a perfect game. They helped him out with some chips and whatnot. But a nice little bounce back game. I don't know that I'd be rushing to, to buy a Spencer Brown jersey, but they are available if uh, if the person sitting in front of me uh, is any indication. Um, I've seen a few of those around. I think after his uh, after his post draft uh, going through a table, he he earned a few earned a few fans there. Two players I would like your thoughts on: Terrell Bernard and Kyrie Elam. I noticed Bernard really struggles. To to get the defense pre-snap, but made some plays, got confused on others. Elam, what gives? Talked a little bit about Elam. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brandon Bean has missed on some early picks. It looks like Kair Elam's a miss. I think there is legitimate questions about the type of player he was in college as a press man corner and coming into this defense where that's not really the bread and butter of what Sean McDermott does. It was a confusing pick. It's still early to completely write him off, but I think. We can see how they feel about him. Bernard, I've been okay with. I, I think you're going to expect he missed the preseason. There's going to be a little bit of up and down. There's going to be you know some moments that are tougher, but he's been actually better, better than I thought he would be, frankly, especially after missing the preseason, going up against two really solid running attacks. That was a really solid game, and, and the defense look. He's he's got a, a nice luxury too, a name we haven't brought up so far, Matt Milano. Uh, man, he's playing out of his mind um, on the NFL 100 this year. He's he's finally getting the the, the recognition. Uh, I think everybody now knows that this is one of the best linebackers in football, and he is making the plays. You know, he is. I think I was a little concerned about losing Tremaine Edmonds in the passing game, what it would look like, how, you know, how would they fill that void? But I think Matt Milano is so good that he's making up for a lot of that. He covers so much ground in the middle of the field. And, um, and he really is, uh, he really has been playing terrific through two weeks. Let's see what else we have here. We'll take a couple more before we wrap it up. We got a yes to hockey live rooms. I like that. We'll we'll have to throw some live rooms in. And there will, I was at Prospect uh, Tournament over the weekends. I'll have some observations after the final game goes tonight. The Sabres are 2-0 and in that tournament. They've got a bunch of first round picks looking really, really good. So uh, I think we will do a little bit of this uh, for, for some hockey stuff. Kyle says I'm not answering his question. So now I need to go find Kyle's question. Do you think that the change to running more 
12 personnel contributed to the struggles in week one? I think it did a little bit only because they weren't able to run. And so, you know, you put a big emphasis on that. You make it a big part of your offense. Then you're not able to run the ball out of that formation. I think it made everything harder. But I think I don't think it was the one reason. I, I think Josh Allen had a really bad night. I think he was not reading things well. I think they were up against a defense that has a good feel for how to play against Josh Allen that matches up really well against the Bills offense in general. But I do think you might be onto something there that as you're getting used to a new personnel grouping, a new way to play, a rookie tight end in his first ever game on Monday night football in a crazy atmosphere, there's a whole bunch of that. It, it was probably a small piece of it, but I think they'll continue to get more comfortable uh, with the 12 personnel. Mark asked about Takeo Spikes in his seats at the game. I don't know if it, if people didn't see it, Takeo Spikes tweeted he had a pretty bad obstructed view and and Tim Graham was mentioning that uh other legends have felt the same way when they come to a game that their seats aren't the greatest or they're not treated the best and man that seems like an easy easy to avoid situation right like you invite a guy to be the legend of the game he should be able to watch the game without an obstructed view if you haven't seen it go check out his tweet not great seats i mean sure you know everybody out there loves to be in the building at at any point but that was a that was a tough look, and hopefully, look, it's such an easy thing to correct. Hopefully, it's such an unforced error that hopefully they're able. I, I think that tweet will probably force a little bit of a correction. Parker asks, "Is it already a two team race in the AFC East?" I think so. Uh, yeah, I wa- I got home last night from the game, and I watched that Dolphins Patriots game, and the Dolphins continue to look like a legit threat to win the division and and a contender in the conference. The Patriots look better, but it just feels like they're going to be competitive because they're the Patriots. They're going to be competitive in games because they have a decent defense. They have Bill Belichick. They're not, who knows, maybe they'll bottom out. I, I could be wrong about that, but they, you saw they played two competitive games against the Eagles and the Dolphins, two of the best teams in the NFL, took them down to the wire. Cole Strange almost got over the line for a first down to keep that game going last night. Very weird ending. I just don't view them as a as a super legitimate threat right now. I think Mac Jones has improved. I just don't know if he's improved enough or if he has enough around him uh, in terms of pass catchers to make them a legitimate threat. They're already 0-2. The Jets are a really talented team. Bills fans saw that on, on Monday Night Football. They have a great defense. But I'm sorry, Zach Wilson... Even if you find a way to somehow sneak into the playoffs with Zach Wilson, I just don't think you're going to win a whole lot with him as your quarterback. Should they go out and get somebody? Maybe, but are you going to be able to plug a quarterback in midseason, get him up to speed with the offense, and make a legitimate run at the Super Bowl? Is the defense that good? I'm not so sure. So I think they, you know, you know, they were running on fumes in that Monday night game and 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 winning it for Aaron, but. I, I don't know. They might make it to the playoffs because it's not as difficult to make the playoffs as it used to be, but it feels like the division, winning the division, is a bit of a, a two-team race. We'll take one more. Lee <laughs> Lee asks if but Ron asked for some Buffalo Beat Award nom- nominations for the week. I think that's good. I, honestly, I'm a little bit rusty on um, what the not what the awards were. We're going to switch it up a little bit. So we have. We have the Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance. We're going to start there because 
that's the first one that comes to mind. It's got to go to Josh Allen. The bounce back game after after the way he played on Monday night, that that to me, you need that type of perseverance out of your quarterback. And, you know, that was textbook from Josh Allen, wiping the slate clean. The got to watch the tape award. I'm going to put a different twist on this because I'm really interested to watch the tape on Spencer Brown to see if it was as good as advertised. And he looked at first glimpse like it was a really great game. And later, you know, probably tomorrow morning, I'll have some notes from a rewatch of the game. And that's going to be a main focus for me. It, was he as good as advertised? Because if so, that changes things for the offensive line. So I got to watch the tape to, to confirm that he was as good as he looked on first glance when you're trying to watch everything out there in the course of a live game, it can be a bit of a challenge, but early signs were very encouraging. Shaq Lawson meditation award winner. So this is funny. Shaq Lawson yesterday in the locker room said he, in his meditation thought that, uh, Josh Allen was going to bounce back. So he was, he was all over it. So I, I I think that was pretty fitting that, I was thinking of Joe while we were in the locker room and Shaq Lawson mentioned that he would have been, he would have been smiling. He was probably smiling from his couch uh, watching the game. If he saw that Devonte Davis award, the player who did not show up in the second half. This is interesting because when the bills play as well as they do, some of these awards don't quite fit. I mean, Trent Sherfield gets the award for, uh, not quite showing up at all. Um, on the stat sheet, but he was on the field quite a bit. Not showing up in the second half feels like the Oakland Raiders as a team, right? 14 to 10 at one point in this game after the Raiders got a field goal. Then the Bills double dip with a touchdown at the end of the half, a touchdown to start the second half. And it was a route from there, 38 to 10. They outscored him 38 to 3 after the Raiders opening drive. So I think the Raiders. Did I say the Oakland Raiders? I probably did say the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I, I'm still getting used to that. The Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, are the ones that that take home Devontae Davis and the Dre Archer. We're gonna go. We're, we're gonna go with Trent Sherfield for not showing up on the stat sheet here, and that's another one where we'll have to watch the tape and see exactly what was going wrong, what was going right. Maybe he's open a little bit more than it looks because he did get a lot of snaps, ran a lot of routes. So let's see if he's getting open. Let's see what's happening there. But uh, those are going to be the ones. And if I had to give out, we already gave out an MVP. We gave out a MVP on offense and defense. One more under the radar player I'll mention before we sign off here. Daquan Jones making that pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo to force the first interception. He's just one of those under the radar players. Spencer Brown was saying like the defensive tackles in Buffalo are among the most aggressive in the league at getting up field and jumping the snap. And Ed Oliver's the big, the big name, the top 10 pick, the big contract gets a lot of deserved attention, but Daquan Jones, really solid all around. Really? Uh, you could point to guys all over the field that, that played well in this game. Great get right game. And as a commenter notes next week is a Logan Thomas revenge game. It's a Ron Rivera, Sean McDermott Bowl as the Bills get set to play the Washington Commanders. You can head over to the Athletic. Well, you're in the Athletic right now uh, if you're listening on the app. But if you're listening on the podcast, you can head over there. We still have a dollar a month sale going on. Uh, you can read Tim Graham and myself uh, coverage from 
The Bills went over the Raiders and what we have coming this week. There's going to be a lot of uh, Sabres stuff coming from myself as well. Like I said, they're wrapping up prospect camp today on Monday as I'm recording this, and then they open up main training camp on Thursday. They actually play a preseason game Sunday, the same day that the Bills play in Washington. The Sabres will be in Washington uh, playing their first preseason game against the Capitals. So lots going on in Buffalo sports. I really appreciate everybody jumping in here, asking me questions, helping me keep myself company here as uh, we're without uh, Joe as our you know, captain steering the ship. I, I enjoyed doing this, and uh, I hope we can do a few more of them in the future. As long as you guys liked it, we will plan to do more of these, whether it's right after the game or the Monday after, whatever whatever works best with travel and everything else. But thanks so much for tuning in and asking questions, and we will talk to you soon.